Imagine, if you will, taking a journey to the furthest boundaries of thought, where walls stand to contain what you think of as known reality. Imagine now, discovering that these walls are nothing but thoughts, made up to limit your experience as conscious being. These walls, when seen, crumble into the sea of nothing from whence they came, revealing what we refer to here as the Miracle Soup. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Miracle Soup with your host, Christoph Heinen, broadcasting from the mystical foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains, just outside Nevada City. Today is an awesome day for many reasons, but one in particular is that I am broadcasting today from my new microphone, which isn't exactly new because I've had it for three or four years. I just finally pulled it out of my storage box and decided that I would listen to the suggestions from my beloved listeners, hinting that the sound recording quality of this show really has been pretty difficult to listen to and that it's worth it to just go ahead and invest in the mic, which I didn't have to do because I already had one. But anyway, setting it up took a whole five minutes. I get it, you know, walking around speaking into an iphone mic is just not the same experience as having a quiet room with a quality microphone so here we are i hope that the sound quality is um is more to your liking and that um we can just move forward with with uh some no more of this like popping peas and <laughs> all this kind of disturbing fuzzy sound. I mean, it's just hard. I was listening to my, those last few episodes too. And man, it's like, I'm like, Oh, it sounds, it's like a good message, man. It's like, Christoph, you're doing okay, but you're doing pretty good. But man, the, that crunchy sound in the ear, it just, it just doesn't work. So, okay. I'm so stoked for the suggestions to go ahead and do that. Thanks for the feedback. I also wanted to mention that if you are new to the show, would you consider perhaps going ahead and subscribing as well as leaving a review? The reviews really mean a lot to me. They're sort of like a way to reciprocate. And when we give back, you know, it just enhances the experience of our of receiving in the first place. So, you know, if this is a labor of love for me, I love doing it. I don't receive, I don't expect anything back. And I have to say that when I do get a, a review and subscriptions, it's just, it's just like, yeah, it kind of like pushes me to keep going and to, um, to get over the humps. Like today, for example, I was like, what the heck am I going to, what am I going to talk about? Like, I, I was like, I don't know, but you know, it's like, I, I've kind of committed to this project doing this podcast and I've got people listening and, and I've got reviews and people you know, have been complimenting me and I'm like, wow, cool. And I know what it's like to be looking forward to a show from some of my favorite podcasters. You know, I, I, I love it when like, it's like, oh my God, it's, it's Wednesday. And I know that they publish on Wednesday. So like every Wednesday it's there and I'm, I'm excited for it and I look forward to it. And it's a little bit of a bummer when it's not there. So I really want to keep going uh, with the momentum and, and sharing these shows and seeing where this podcast 
evolves to and, and, you know, what kind of life it takes on and what kind of conversation and community and tribe it creates. That's really exciting to me. Um, I do actually have a interview lined up in the future. It's with an amazing uh, energy worker, sort of shaman. I don't know if she'd call herself that, but uh, a woman who really works with um, energy and healing and helping people work through some of the darker negative energies that they might be grappling with. She's been a huge help to me as well as a um, few other of my friends who speak really highly of her. Her name is Nicole, and I'm not really sure when we're going to actually get around to doing it, but hopefully the next week or so. So I wanted to say that, that there are some interviews coming down the pipeline. And I have some other ideas for that as well. But for today's show, what I wanted to do was read from my online course that I'm creating. Um, and if I go ahead and, you know, if I go ahead and talk about this course, and I'm really going to sort of have to finish it, right? I mean, I think I'm about 80% there, but these things take a while. And um, if I go ahead and, and, and talk about it and and sort of it's like I got some accountability and some some skin in the game and I can't just back out so easily because it is hard. It's it's challenging to find time and to sit down, usually in the early morning, to write and to uh and to do this. But the whole purpose of like these creative pursuits is that it helps the creator, you know, like this course is helping me. Um, and it will help others because the reason that I'm creating it is because, well, you know, at, at the time when I was really struggling, uh, around the time where I started Miracle Soup in the first place was a time where I really didn't know where to turn. I was dealing with such a difficult challenge that I had no reference to and I didn't know how to grapple these energies in my life and what to do with the situation. So this course is for that person, you know, like if I could go back in time and give myself a course and say, here, this is all okay. This is not wrong. What you're feeling and what you're experiencing and, and here's some guidelines and here's some tools to help you get through this challenge in a really, um, in like a successful and in a beneficial way. So, so I went ahead and, and started writing this course for my old self. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people in that same situation on this planet today who could benefit as well. So that makes me feel good. So what's the course called? The name of the course is The Gift of Darkness, Using Narcissist and Borderlines to Make Your Life Awesome. And the whole gist of it is, you know, um, when we encounter someone who is very challenging um oftentimes that that interaction can can really bring you down cause you to go to some dark places but if you flip it around you start to apply some alchemical principles and some different perspectives you can use that energy to thrust your life into a really um a creative life an inspired life you just you you take that compost that stinky stuff all that darkness that's being exposed in your own soul and you turn it around you create some beautiful garden project you create some beautiful um, life work with that challenge okay 
Now, before we get going, um, I, I do have kind of a hard time still working on the title because I don't want to label people as narcissists or borderlines because the truth of the matter is we are all inherently divine children of the Most High, and we are all playing these different roles and these different parts in life, and some are like appear to be villains and some appear to be heroes, but we're all just playing this play and learning these amazing lessons on planet Earth. So what I did was I refer to what many people call narcissist or borderline personality disorder types, and I call them messengers, because essentially the whole idea is that challenges and challenging people come into our lives to teach us something, to help us um, really activate our potential, to evolve us into our next our next stage of growth into our next stage of evolution. And it's really a blessing. And this is part of the book is to really embrace part of the course is learning to embrace these challenges as something that is a gift from a bigger part of ourselves, call it a higher power, call it our future self, call it God, whatever, it's a gift to help us grow. And that's why we're here. We're not here on this earth just to like enjoy Netflix movies and eat popcorn and drink beer and just like really be sedated and relaxed. But we're here to grow. We're here to let go of old stuff. We're here to experience and experiment with what's possible, what we can do, how we can be of service to our community and on this planet in this way. So that's a little bit of the background. Um, I'll just go ahead and start reading from the introduction, and then I'm going to just do one excerpt from one of the chapters. So um, without further ado, let's carry on. Lesson two, understanding the nature of evil. The goal of this course is for you to receive your gift of darkness. The goal is to receive what the universe is giving you through these very challenging experiences. My goal for you is that you rise above the hell you have found you may have found yourself in and come out on the other side as a new and upgraded version of you, equipped with alchemist ninja superpowers enabling you to live an inspired life while assisting others in their own transformation. The planet needs this kind of transformation, and it can only happen one person at a time. You are a crucial component of this planetary evolution. In order to receive the gift of darkness, we must first establish a proper understanding of the nature of evil. I'm using the term evil because it's so concise and to the point. Many people say that they never knew evil until they met their gift, their messenger, that their gift, their messenger, showed them that evil existed as a real thing on this planet. That person is pure evil. Is something I've heard often from people who are caught in a dance with a messenger. But what does it really mean and what is its function? In order to unwrap this highly loaded concept, I'd like to share an ex exceptional dream I received in my late teens before any of this gift of darkness initiation stuff even started. Obviously, this dream had a profound impact on me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have remembered it for over 20 years. 
I mean, come on, most dreams get forgotten by lunchtime. In this dream, I'm sitting in a medieval stone tower with an open window overlooking a pastoral pastoral countryside with green grass and rolling hills. I'm alone in this tower except for two black cats. Everything is so picturesque and beautiful, but there's something about these cats that disturbs me very deeply. These cats are pure evil. Their faces show it. They want to cause not just mischief, but great harm to me and others. I know I have to do something about these cats before they hurt me, so I grab a fork, which is the nearest weapon-like implement I can find, and begin to stab them. I want them dead and destroyed so badly because they're so terrifically evil that I really open up and let them have it. It turns into a bloody mess as I stab and mutilate these horrid creatures, but as I stab away, they don't seem to mind. In fact, they know that it doesn't matter. They seem to know that by me harming them, they are actually winning. Finally, their bodies perish, but I can see, sense the spirit of that evil flying out over the landscape. Lo and behold, I had somehow only made the evil cats stronger. So this dream illustrates the very code of evil. We seem to perceive it outside of ourselves. In the dream, it was the cats, but the cats, of course, represent any evil we perceive out in the world. The Russians, the pharmaceutical companies, the corrupt politicians, our ex-spouse, whomever, fill in the blank. But when we see the evil, quote-unquote, out there, apart from us, and it triggers pain and fear in our experience, we want to put an end to that pain by eliminating the perceived source of that pain. Example, someone calls us a pathetic loser who will never amount to anything. Ouch, that does not feel so great. We may want to hit that person or point out actually how miserable and pathetic that person is. So where is the evil now? By combating the evil, we become agents of the same energy, that same frequency. The Buddha summed it up pretty well when he allegedly said, Hatred does not cease by hatred, but by love. This is the eternal rule. It is ridiculously simple, and it is what we are on this planet to learn and master. Your gift has been sent, or your messenger, I have it written gift, but I haven't, I haven't like edited this yet, so. Your messenger has been sent to you to give you the opportunity to learn to love completely. Your messenger has been sent to awaken you from the dream of separation and egocentric captivity. Your messenger has been sent to you to free you. Again, let me remind you to consider yourself extremely fortunate. The nature of evil is that it is teaching a messenger sent by the universe to overcome the tendency in you to cause harm. It is a teaching, a, a gift sent by the universe to overcome the tendency in you to cause harm. Evil shows up on the outside world to heal us from the evil we keep alive inside our own mind. Lesson three, WAMPs, Weapons of Mass Compassion. How do we practically deal with our messenger then? 
How do we navigate this terrain when our nervous systems are jolted for the 30th time by a malefic text message or some news of what our messenger is about to do or threatening to do? What do we do when we want to roll up our sleeves and jump into the frequency mud of this anger and aggression being hurled at us? How do we keep from joining our messenger in that same energy of retribution, conflict, finger pointing, blame, and attack? How do we stay out of the energy patterns of revenge, leaking precious life force energy through fantasies of causing harm and getting even? In this section, I will equip you with a set of highly effective tools to empower you to overcome the powerful and habituated energies your messenger is forcing you to heal. I actually, oh yeah, so then I get into how I'm calling them weapons of mass compassion or WOMPs. Womp number four, womp number five, Tonglen breathing. Tonglen is a powerful tool found in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition and has been used by alchemist ninja wizards for perhaps thousands of years. Tonglen literally translates from Tibetan to giving and taking. Tong is giving or sending, and Len is receiving and taking. The following story vaguely has to do with Tonglen breathing. One time in my early 20s, as a young and naive aspirant, I mistakenly took two drops of liquid LSD on a beach in Mexico. I say mistakenly because I was so young and naive at the time, I had no idea how powerful of a dose that was going to turn out to be. On this occasion, there happened to be a sweat lodge ceremony being held by a group on the other side of the speech. Liquid LSD has a tendency to kick in rather quickly, and before I knew it, I was in a whole new reality, tripping my face off my skull. Somehow, something led me like a strong ocean current into the sweat lodge, even though I distinctly remember hearing the facilitator say, if you have taken any kind of mushrooms, peyote, or acid, please do not enter. This is a sacred space, and that can be a very dangerous thing to do. It was like in one ear and out the other. Needless to say, that was such a wild experience. I have honestly been spending the last 20 years or so integrating it. There's a whole book just on that night. But the point of me telling this is that at one point, as I sat in the lodge, how I wasn't kicked out earlier, I have no idea. I was tripping so hard and so uncontrollably, it must have been the most obvious thing in the world, yet I made it through three rounds. I completely left my body. My consciousness zoomed out of planet Earth, then the solar system, then the Milky Way, then the entire universe. Then I noticed other universes around our universe that appeared as these kind of bubble-shaped forms. There were tons of them, like infinite universes, basically. When I zoomed out as far as I could go, out beyond the multiverse, I saw this giant wheel. This was the wheel of samsara that I briefly learned about in high school social studies. The wheel of samsara is the wheel of life and death, of karma, of cause and effect. It's the illustration of what a soul does as it incarnates again and again and again until it gets off the wheel by realizing that harming others only perpetuates perpetuates the illusion of separation and perpetuates more harm. 
I tell this story because I was taught Tonglen breathing from Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, the great Tibetan Tulku, who founded the Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. Um, he also founded the Shambhala Meditation Centers, uh, which are located all over the world. Okay, so I didn't actually learn from him directly since he left his body when I was two, but nonetheless, it was during a Saturday morning meditation at the Shambhala Center in downtown Boulder that a teacher read a transcription from a talk given by Rinpoche. Rinpoche had a lot of great things to say about Tonglen, how to do it and what it does, but what really stood out that morning was the phrase, Tonglen reverses the wheel of samsara. Instantly, I recalled that fateful event from outside the multiverse years ago while my body was in that sweat lodge and thought, I better listen up. This is major. I mean, if something has the ability to reverse the great wheel of birth and death that basically encapsulates the entirety of the fathomlessly enormous multiverse, then I figured it was worth a try. Rinpoche also mentioned in the transcription that one should not expect to see results or changes in the person the Tonglen is being practiced on, since it's ultimately being practiced on the practitioner. You do it to reverse the cycle of suffering in your heart. It's in a way an entirely selfish thing, but the good kind of selfishness, I'd say. I have found Tonglen to be one of the greatest treasures in my life. It especially helped it's especially helpful when your messenger is laying on the pressure real thick and you just hate them and you just want to lash out and hurt your messenger back. If you think about it, a good 80 to 90% of the movies and shows we watch are based on revenge and retribution where the good guy makes the bad guy pay for the villainous thing he or she has done. Our egos get a certain satisfaction from seeing this played out. In movies, it is accompanied by victory music and the hero getting the hot babe at the end. And real life, revenge only causes decay and suffering. When asked about being imprisoned and tortured by the Chinese during the Tibetan genocide, I've heard that many lamas prayed that their hearts would not harden to their oppressors and that they stayed centered in compassion. These monks and nuns must have been Tonglen genius masters. Alchemist ninjas in the truest sense. One man, Garchen Rinpoche, was arrested from his monastery in Tibet for smuggling out four guns to take, to, the, to take on the escape route to India in the early 1950s. The Chinese policy during that time was for each gun a Tibetan was caught with, they received five years of imprisonment at a labor camp. So this young man caught a 20-year bid by a bunch of nut jobs who were destroying and murdering his entire country while actively trying to erase his culture. The story goes that inside the prison, young Garchen met a fully realized enlightened master, no doubt an alchemist ninja wizard of the highest degree. He was told, essentially, to get on with it, that this was the practice of the bodhisattva. He was told to serve the Chinese that even though the labor was intense and grueling and unfair by all conventional sense, that it was still a way to serve. They were grinding rocks to be used to create homes for Chinese people, and these homes would benefit their lives. When Garchen's time was up and 20 years of service to the Chinese was complete, I mean, this is my little brief interlude, not to mention the fact that he witnessed, I mean, countless 
of, of his country mates, you know, killed, his friends murdered, um, his fellow monks just like tortured. Couldn't have been an easy time. Um, couldn't have been an easy time. His compassion had, um, so when, when, when his 20 years of service was up and uh, it was time for him to go, it is said that the Chinese prison guards wept. His compassion had touched them in such a deep and profound way. Sure, they were still prison guards for a corrupt and bloodthirsty tyrannical regime, but for those individuals, a transformation had indeed occurred. And so had it for Garchin Rinpoche, who through his 20 years of practice became one of the great lamas of our time. Without a penny to his name, he left Tibet and was sponsored to migrate to America. In the airport, he synchronistically met a wealthy patron who was more than willing to sponsor the establishment of a meditation center in Arizona. Today, Garchin Rinpoche's foundation has centers all over the world, and his message of compassion has reached thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And you can visit his website. I'll also include it in the show notes, but it's, um, let's see, it's garchen.net, G-A-R-C-H-E-N.net. Apparently, they're coming out with a documentary on his life, and there's a whole, you know, whole bunch of services and meditations and pujas and talks and that at teachings and that kind of thing. Tong Len, powerful stuff. Whenever I think I have it rough with my messenger, I think of Garchen Rinpoche and get on with it. Of course, there's also Jesus's triumphant story where he's all bloody and hanging on a cross with spikes sticking right through his appendages. And what's he doing? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He's praying for them. I get a nasty text from my messenger and I get all bent out of shape. It's a far cry from getting crucified. How to do Tong Len. Okay, enough with the chit chat. Here's how to Tong Len. There are many different iterations of Tong Len according to different teachers, but the gist is the same. One, imagine an image of your messenger. Take a break from what you're doing or include this in your morning meditation time, but pull up a picture of your messenger in your mind's eye and notice the charge. Imagine a ball of radiant, uh, two, imagine a ball of radiant, peerless golden light in your heart center. Feel it. Three, inhale slowly while imagining all the suffering in your messenger is leaving them in the form of a dark, black, thick smoke. Inhale this smoke directly into the golden ball of light in your heart. Four. Exhale golden light as all the compassion and love, forgiveness and relief back to your messenger. Let this exhale light fill your messenger. See them happy like a little child. Five. Repeat as long as you like or until the negative charge is transformed in you to compassion. Okay, so that was the uh, first time I've ever shared any of that with anybody. <laughs> so really kind of feeling like pretty vulnerable about that. I'm going to go back and listen to it, make sure I really want to share that. But yeah, that's that's it. You know, that's, that's the thing. The voices come up and say, 
you know, don't do this. It's, it's going to sound stupid or don't try to run that, that race. You know, I ran a half marathon a few weeks ago and those same voices, man, they, they come up. I tell you, they're like, you can't do it. It's too high altitude. You haven't trained enough. And I mean, the fact that there are voices in my head telling me don't share this is pretty much sign for me to go ahead and share it. So I, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that, you know, my writing is legible. I hope you got something out of this experience of listening to another episode of Miracle Soup. And I hope above all else that you have a very blessed, wonderful, prosperous, balanced, loving, exciting, thunderful day. Thanks again. I will talk to you on the next episode next week or sooner. I love you all.